When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, and our associate producer, William Smith. Visit patreon.com slash positivelytrek to help support the podcast. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you all very much for your support, and enjoy the show. My phone is such a distraction, Dan. I'm telling you that my iPhone, I'm really becoming addictive. I mean, I think I've already been, but I remember years and years and years ago, a friend of mine had a BlackBerry. You remember those? I mean, oh, I yeah. they're still yeah. around, right? Good Canadian product, by the way. I'm going to throw in there. There you go. <laughs> well, I had a friend <laughs> at BlackBerry and he was obsessed with it. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get one of those type of phones because I, I don't want to get into that problem. Now I'm starting to get into that problem. And it doesn't help when there's a new Star Trek game that shows up, too. And then I'm always on there. And then when I don't get it right, I have to keep trying over and over again. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, it's one o'clock in the morning. And I was going to go to bed early. (laughs) You know how that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's been a few games that have done that to me over the years. Yes. And it's not always games. You know, you just get lost online. Right. It's just Mm -hmm. that's the way it is. So eBay for me lately. That's not good. <laughs> are you buy- you're just selling stuff or buying stuff or both? I wish I was just selling stuff. I'm also buying oh, stuff. No, no, you're supposed to. <laughs> I thought you were trying to get money on eBay now. Now you're spending it. Yeah, I'm a little bit in the hole. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome everyone to Positively Track. I hope you guys are listening and you get so caught up in the conversation that you're up late at night and go, oh my gosh, where did the time go by? Go by? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm Bruce Gibson. That was Dan Gunther. And Dan, you know, we have a special guest with us. I'm really excited. We talked about bringing uh, a special guest on a couple weeks ago, and now we get to finally find out who it is. Oh, yeah. Now, when we say special guest, what does that mean? What does special mean? What makes the guest special? Well, I mean, all of our guests are special, (laughs) of course. I I, I have to put that out there. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is an extremely special guest. We like to welcome to the show... Mike Johnson. Mike, how are you? I'm good, guys, but I'm extremely special. I don't know. I think people are, are going to be wishing I was Patrick Stewart or, uh, you know, yeah, we someone might've... who appeared on screen at some point. But you're stuck with me now. You're stuck. We've already, we're already started. We're already recording. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be. That's th- okay. This is going to sound it. like I'm Thank just kind of sucking up or whatever, but I'm going to be absolutely honest. I think. The kinds of conversations we have with guests like you and, and other people who are involved 
in kind of the the other stuff with the Star Trek universe, those conversations, I think, end up being better than the ones with like the big names and the big stars. Because people have been to conventions. They've heard those stories a million times. But I, I think shining the spotlight on other people involved in the Star Trek universe, I, I enjoy that more, I got to say. Well, cool. Thank you. Yeah, because when we had here. Patrick Stewart on, all he talked about is... <laughs> How much he loves Jonathan, and oh, what a wonderful man! <laughs> yeah, that guy. I know. Well, okay, so my, not everybody might know who you are, Mike. I mean, we do. I take for granted that everybody knows who you are, but that's not true. Um, I, you don't walk down the street and everybody stops you. <laughs> I mean, no, sadly, <laughs> but I don't want that, so I'm fine. That sounds like look, a terrible thing. I looked thing, for your hands so. in the cement. It yeah. wasn't there. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners know who you are. Uh, so I um mostly known in Star Trek world for uh, writing comic books. Uh, I started working on Star Trek um, back in 2006 seven when i went to work for alex kurtzman and bob orsi who wrote and produced the first two of the new star trek movies and i wrote the tie-in comic for the 2009 movie and from then on we launched a kelvin universe comic and a bunch of mini series and i worked on those for most of the past 10 years and then for the past five years i've been working for Viacom, what is now viacom cbs on all of the Star Trek video games. Um, so that is my very nice. short. And I don't even know if I've asked you this before, but how did you get into Star Trek? I mean, I'm assuming you were a fan before you started working on all these things. Yeah. So I was born in 73. So I saw the original series on TV reruns. And then um, I had the big uh, Mego character uh action figures when i was a kid with the, the, the cloth uniforms and the uh the bright blue phasers and that so um i probably knew who kirk and spock were before any other pop culture characters really um and then i was sort of the perfect age for Wrath of Khan when that came out. Well, well, the first movie. I was a little young actually for the for the motion picture, and uh, you know, <laughs> I love the motion picture now because of the themes and the and the the sort of um, heady sci-fi that that is it's full of. But at the time, I was like a little kid looking for um, you know more pew pew, as we say in the business. Um, so. That one, I remember, I think I fell asleep during the motion picture, but I was like six. Um, and then Wrath of Khan was perfect, though, and, and, and the subsequent movies. Uh, and then I was the perfect age. I was 14, 13, 14, when it was 14, when um, TNG started. So really just, um, yeah, I grew up with it and, and never imagined I would, I would someday work on it. And you just never know where where life takes you and was lucky enough to um, end up working for Alex and Bob when they were coming up with the uh, first germs of the idea of what the 2009 movie would be. And how did you get, how did you get wrapped up with it? You were doing other work with them. No, I was, I was just, I was working in Hollywood and, and like, and joined the company and, and 
um, hadn't known them before, but when, when I had the opportunity to join the company, they were becoming a very big deal. And uh, they had they had worked on alias, which I loved. And then they had just written mission impossible three had just come out. They had written transformers, which was in production when I joined and I had the opportunity for that job and a different job. And the other job was in more uh, on set production of movies. And while it was really cool, I had the opportunity to go work for these guys that were like doing the kind of movies in the stuff that I loved. And I just thought that's, I got to go work for those guys. So that's, uh, that's what happened there. And then um, my comics career started sort of simultaneously um, independently of, of them. And, and they then had the idea of doing a prequel comic for the movie. And that's how the comics came about the Star Trek comics. Cause they wanted to give you something to do. Cause you were running around all the time with your Mego figures. Look, I'm a Star Trek I fan. Was, that's that, <laughs> I tell you, there was some cool stuff in that office. That was, um, we had one of those gaming tables, those sort of vintage uh, tables that you sit down on and the table is the screen. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. All yeah. the old video games in there. Yeah. There's a vintage Star Trek pinball machine. Um, so yeah, there were a lot. We had, a, I remember we got a Wii, a Nintendo Wii when it first came out and we would just spend way too much time playing the Wii instead of doing any work. So uh, it was, um, it was a fun place. There were a lot of toys to play with. Yeah. Plus we were on the universal back lot. So uh, you could just go for a walk and visit uh, the back to the future set. And as soon as you oh, said the universal so cool. back lot, that's what I pictured. <laughs> it was back yeah. to the future. Yep. <laughs> that was fun. Definitely sounds like the kind of office that I'd like to uh, work in. That That's amazing. Yeah. Now it's much less glamorous. It's my, it's my home now where I, and I don't <laughs> walk anywhere. It is full of toys, though, so that's good. Yeah. But see, I'm a little bit jealous because we're recording right now through Zoom, so we can see each other. You guys listening, of course, can't see anything. And Mike's sitting on the bridge of the Enterprise D, and I'm so jealous. I am. I am. Um, you you can, too, if you go and uh, copy-paste a high-res image from a Google search of TNG. And use it as your Zoom background. This is my, actually, guys, this is my everyday Zoom background on all the important uh, meetings that I attend for Star Trek. This is, oh, I love this it. is where we, yeah, we hang out on this bridge. So uh, I've used one of the, a few of the lower decks ones. They released a few of their set, yeah. sets in quotes, I guess, uh, yeah. for Zoom background. Good choice. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> well, okay. It's just, you know, I, I mentioned earlier. I was on my phone playing games. There's a new Star Trek game out called Star Trek Legends. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you here, because you're involved in that game. Like you said, you're doing Star Trek games. And it's also perfect timing because there's been all this weird stuff going on all week with Michael Dorn. Like, he's coming back as Worf, and he's teasing all these things on Twitter. And now we can officially say he's doing the voice of Worf in this game. So... Tell us about what Star Trek Legends is, and then we're going to talk about more about Michael Dorn and some other things. Yeah, so Legends came about basically at Viacom CBS. We get a lot of um, pitches for games because people like to make Star Trek games because people like to play them. And uh, this game was different from any games we'd done before in the type of game it is. It's, it's 
called uh, essentially a squad RPG where you have a squad of characters that you choose from among, I think we have 40 characters in there right now. Um, and you put your squad together and you play through a series of episodic adventures facing other, a squad of, of villains. And um, every character that you select has their own talents and abilities in battle and you can coordinate between the characters. So for instance, Worf is what in video game parlance, we call a tank, which means he can take a lot of damage and do a lot of damage. Um, Bones is a healer. So as are most of the medical characters that you would have. So you combine your tank and your healer and suddenly you have a very powerful combination. So legends was an opportunity to leverage all of the amazing characters uh, and locations that we have in Star Trek and into this type of game. So the, what we needed was a story reason for why all of these characters would be available to you and why they would all be coming together. And they pulled you away from the pinball machine and said, Mike, come over here. We want you to write something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, so my job at, on the video games is a little different. So I do some writing on the games like I did on Legends, but I worked with a team, the writing team at the game developer. So we concocted the story together and then I would write some dialogue. They would write some dialogue. I'd edit their dialogue. Um, but it's really a team effort. And um, the cool thing was for this one, we got to bring back the Nexus, which is a... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, phenomenon, threat, um, sci-fi thing, timey-wimey thing from the Generations movie, but it gave us the opportunity to explain why you would have all these different characters interacting with each other. Yeah, and that's one of the questions I had, because if all these characters are there from all these different time periods, do themselves outside of the Nexus know that they were, like... <laughs> Or do, am I, do I have to get further in the game to figure all this out? Uh, yes, you do have to get further in the game to figure, to, to learn, learn the, uh, the story behind the Nexus. But the, that question that you had is exactly the kind of questions that we had when we were writing the game. Like, wait a minute, how does this work? Because we only, we only know how the Nexus works from the Star Trek, uh, the, from Generations, the movie. And there's only a couple of scenes that really sort of touch on exactly how it works. So we felt that we had some wiggle room there to play with the physics of the Nexus and how it works. And the big conceit of our game is that we're going to explain uh, how the Nexus came to be and whether Ooh, it's a natural phenomenon or whether someone created it. Dang. Yeah, because there's, there's a few things in Generations, but I can see how some of it would be unhelpful. Like Guinan, it's like being inside Joy. Well, that doesn't really <laughs> explain hard, anything. Hard to translate <laughs> into video game uh, mechanics. You want to elicit <laughs> Joy, but uh, yeah. But yet, so, so that's right. The physics of the Nexus are unclear. It's sort of like you fly into it and you're zapped in, but then you can be pulled out. And even when you're in it, if you remember in the movie... Picard goes from his idyllic Christmas scene to Shatner's uh, forest getaway, uh, his chalet, I guess, um, in a blink of an eye. Like there's no, it's not explained. It's like a dream. It's like dream logic. You just sort of show up there. 
Um, but that kind of dream logic is, can be hard to convey uh, in a game. So we, um, we kind of came up with some mechanisms by which it would make sense for why the players are going to different places. How far in the game do I have to get? Because I'm those Romulans are really preventing me from moving forward. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> well, the cool thing is the game is not um, one and done. Like what we have, I might be speaking out of school here, but there will be more content coming. And we really want to try to get, and you can see right now there's an episodic cadence to it where you, you we literally call them episodes. Like you complete an episode, you move on to the next one. And, um, as we go, we're going to reveal more and more about the Nexus and, and um, how it came to be. So by the end, I think by the end of what's been released so far, you'll have a pretty good idea. But um, there will be more chapters coming that explore it even more because we want to drop more characters. We want to go. There's some cool characters coming up that I'm excited and surprised that we got to put into the game. So really, the story is there as an engine to get more locations um, more characters on both sides, uh, good and bad, and introducing new game mechanics as well. So you don't just do the same kind of play over and over. So there's more to come. Mm. And I'm sure you, you have to be pretty tight-lipped on, on some of those details, I'm sure, I guess. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I hate to be cagey. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but the exciting thing is that the game is becomes a vehicle for producing new content as opposed to just saying, okay, there it is. Yeah. So there's a variety of characters, as you mentioned. So we've got characters from that pulls from the original series, next generation Voyager, deep space nine enterprise, uh, discovery Picard, but not lower decks, at least not yet. But uh, as far as I know, lower decks isn't part of this. Yeah, that this is where I have to be really careful. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lower Decks is amazing and incredible. As anyone who hasn't seen it, stop listening now and go watch Lower Decks. Uh, and um, th- there's discussions about what Lower Decks could be in the game space, but that's about all I can say. Yeah, well, hopefully, separate from this game, it'd be cool to have a Lower Decks game. Maybe you guys are talking about it. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I'm I'm plugging right now. Please do a Lower Decks right game. On. So. Keep that in mind. <laughs> I'll pass that along. I'm going to I'm going to put my voice in here a little bit off topic, but since we've got you here, it's just the perfect opportunity. Lower decks, I feel like would be amazing in comic form. And yeah. I'm not going to ask any questions or anything like that, no. but I'm just putting that out there in the universe that I, uh, That's good to put out in the universe. I can say that there there are, there are many people who agree with you. Excellent. All yeah. right. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> great minds think alike and fools seldom right. differ as they say so yeah. what do you like most about lower decks real quick i'm just curious uh what i like most about lower decks is something we talk about a lot which is that it laughs with trek instead of at trek um there is an enormous amount of love in every episode no matter how crazy things get um it is made by trek fans for a wide audience, but especially for other Trek fans. And um, I love that it walks this line of, um, you know, given it's Rick and Morty DNA, that it nonetheless not only captures Star Trek's um, meaningful 
themes and philosophies, but um, does them exceedingly well. So I just love that. It's almost like a magic trick they pulled off. Um, and I, the other thing I love is that it, it opens up what Star Trek can be for audiences. So it's, you know, we only had the one animated show before, which in its way was very much almost like a animated version of live action stories. Whereas this is very much its own thing and it's sort of pushing Trek in different directions and expanding what the franchise can be. So I love it. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I, I just wanted Absolutely. to hear you. Th- I, I love how you say that. It's not laughing at it. It's laughing with it. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I steal that from uh, John Van Sitters, who is the keeper of the Trek flame at Viacom CBS and very wise man. Nice. Well, we'll have to have him on sometime too. Let's see what his bridge. You should like. have him on. He he has stories. Yeah, <laughs> well, he is absolutely on our list. So that yeah. would be really cool. <laughs> I yeah. want to know his stories. Hmm. Um, yeah. well, speaking of stories, back to legends and these characters. So when I start playing it, it starts off with, and I'm not really giving much away because this is the very beginning of the game. We have like no, yeah, yeah. Michael Burnham. Yeah. We have Worf. We have Doctor McCoy. And then somebody else joins, you know, that's fairly familiar, but well, it's really familiar, I should say. But anyway, uh, and it continues from there. So how is it decided that you're going to start with those three characters? How did you get, I mean, cause you just said there's 40 characters in this game, but I mean, yeah. there's hundreds in Star Trek. How do you narrow it down to those three? That's a great question. And it was a, it was a, it was an important thing we had to figure out. It was fun to figure out. Um, we wanted to have Burnham in there because we wanted the game to feel current. Um, you know, she is the face of Sonequa is the face of this relaunch of Star Trek across all the shows. Uh, so it just felt right to have her there. And then we wanted, and then from there you sort of build out, we knew we wanted a character from TOS and TNG because those are the the biggest traditional, um, you know, shows. And then it was, okay, we also want to have different abilities. So Burnham, Burnham kind of like is sort of um, kind of walks the line between being able to do combat, but also in her nature as a scientist being ex- exploratory. So she's sort of in the middle there. So we, and then we wanted more of a pure scientist, but also someone that had a healing capability just for gameplay. So you get bones and also cause Bones' personality is so different from Burnham's. And then on the other side, we wanted more of a, uh, not to say Worf is only good at combat, but he is exceptional at combat. So we wanted more of that tank character. And then someone that was a different personality from Burnham and Bones. And also with Worf, you get the added benefit of, of him being a Klingon in Starfleet, which neither Burnham nor and and our I should say our Burnham is sort of season one two Burnham of Discovery before spoiler alert what happens in season three of Discovery so neither she nor Bones would expect to see a Klingon in a Starfleet uniform we have some fun with that and then also you just get the actors are so great they've created distinctive voices for these characters obviously divorce divorce Kelly is a legend um, as is Michael Dorn now and Sonequa is becoming one. Like they each have, they've created very distinct voices for their characters. They're very fun to play off on so that hopefully knock on, knock on par steel. When we have them together in a game, it's fun to see them banter. Um, and we're able to sort of tell some story alongside the gameplay. Yeah. 
and again, I don't want to give too much away, but I love there's this banter between Burnham and McCoy when it comes to Spock because something is said or revealed. And, That's right. And McCoy is just like, mm, how do you know right. Spock? And she's just like, uh, <laughs> we can talk about that another time. <laughs> she yeah, and it keeps yeah. coming up. Too, too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. So that's the kind of fun thing you can get when you when you mix and match the characters. I'm hoping that as we go forward. So even though those three are kind of driving the story there. And I think I think the choice worked out because there's enough between them and watching their friendships grow over the course of this game to keep the player players and audiences engaged. Um, but it'll be fun when we have other characters come in in subsequent episodes and interact with the three of them it actually gets hard to keep track of because you have to remember who knows what and what everyone's relationship is to everybody else, because this is in, in the lore of our game. This is the first time a lot of them are meeting. I think that's really cool. I'd, I'd never really considered that before, like all of these characters from across different generations. And, you know, it's not that Star Trek's a small universe, but there are all these crazy connections between characters and stuff and references. So to get to play with that and kind of have fun with it and hang a lantern on it, I guess a little bit. I think that 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 sounds like a lot of fun to be able to write that. Yeah, and the the team at um, Emerald City Games is is the uh, developer and Tilting Point is our publisher. the The team at Emerald City um, really know and love Star Trek too. I think that helps. I think that helps enormously. I, I always like to say that, that like the fandom that you have growing up. Um, if you go into the business, it, it, it's really valuable just on a like business level, like to know and love the characters, um, matters when you, when it comes time to write them. I think that's why the 2009 movie was successful. Um, you know, Bob Orsi and, and Alex were huge Trek fans and JJ Abrams has gone on record saying he wasn't a huge Trek fan, but you had Trek fandom at the core of of the movie writing the script and i think that kind of thing matters and and so everybody working on on this game and and the other games you know who love trek that just that just is like added value to the to the project and um it's amazing how many different i'm going off on a tangent a little bit but how many people turn out to be star trek fans like every astronaut <laughs> right <laughs> which is amazing uh president obama you know like um what's who's the actress i think it's is it rosario dawson oh rosario dawson yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. is a big um star trek fan like it, it's 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 like this uh not so secret community um but it brings people together and um this is all by way of saying that the writing team on this game has I'm taking myself out of it for a second has done a great job um, because they, they love it and uh, they know the different, the different characters and how they should sound. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing here, Dan, is we could put our fandom on a resume because that knowledge that you have, Dan, Do especially it. is valuable. <laughs> yes. That's kind of what I'm hearing too. And I'm yeah. kind of digging that. Watched <laughs> all episodes consecutively in a five day span. <laughs> summer of yeah yeah it would have like the date it would be like june july 2012 watched all episodes of enterprise in yeah <laughs> it's funny because 
Uh, and, and I don't think this is a unique experience for a Star Trek fan, but I remember as a young person hiding that, right? Keeping that close yeah. because, you know, yep. nerds are made fun of. And then growing up and finding this whole larger world, like you say, of Star Trek fans and, uh, you know, in the most unexpected places and really the people who should be running the world, I think, are Absolutely. Star Trek fans. Absolutely. And the thing I love about Star Trek conventions, even more so than the general comic or pop culture conventions, there's an incredible cross-section of humanity at Star Trek conventions. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody. Um, and the mood there, like I would say, like San Diego Comic-Con, which is here in my backyard here in San Diego, is, you know, there's a lot of merchandising. Um, it's sort of commercial oriented, right? I mean, there's a lot of celebration of, of things, but it sort of turned into a big Hollywood production. Um, and people go there to buy and sell and trade and see movie stars and whatnot. And that's great. That's fun. But when you go to a Star Trek convention, they're there to celebrate it all together. And goodness knows there's plenty of merch at a Star Trek convention. But everybody there is there for the love and the positivity. The mood of the convention is, is very different. So... Yeah, to your point, like finding the other people that, that like what you do. I think one of the good things about, um, you know, I grew up pre-internet. I think one of the good things about the internet, one of the, one of the few good things about the internet <laughs> is that it has enabled people that love things to connect and to build out these larger communities. And I, I would hope kids growing up today feel able to wear their fandom and their nerd, their nerdiness on their sleeves literally um and feel like those conversations can be had you know you look at the success of things like um the marvel movies um and how i think star wars coming back and having a female character star be the star of those movies uh really helped um so i, I, th I you know i feel like fandom is opening up its arms mm -hmm. Uh, no, fandom's not opening up its arms. The world is opening up its arms to, to fans and fandom and that loving something um, is not considered, um, yeah, hopefully something people don't have to hide. Right. You know? Yeah, having worked as a, as a teacher and a high school teacher, I, it feels a lot more accepting nowadays. Oh, good. All kinds of different subcultures, not just, you know, fandoms like that, but. Sure, yeah. You know, it it feels more inclusive, uh, and I and I hope that's the actual lived experience of of kids today. Because yeah, yeah, it's pretty lonely being a, a Star Trek fan in the eighties. Yeah, know, and honestly, the other, the other thing I love is how Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, like such a big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I this is so sad, but when I was a kid, my friends, for some reason, I mean, they were geeky friends. We read comic books together and all that, but they didn't want to play Dungeons and Dragons. They wanted to play the Marvel superhero role-playing game, uh, but they didn't want to play Dungeons and Dragons. So I didn't have anyone to play Dungeons and Dragons with. So I would try to be my own dungeon master just for myself, which no. is really hard to do. <laughs> so I would just roll characters all day. But now it's so cool to see Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Anthony Rapp from Star Trek Discovery is a huge D&D uh, &D player and, and tweets about it and, um, you know, kids now I, I feel like not just kids but like people can walk around and just be like do you play do you play mm, D &D? Yeah. it's just a 
culturally acceptable thing. Yeah, my so, daughter, who's now 19, but I think it was about two or three years ago, she was playing D&D. She somehow got in a group and started playing. And I was like, wow, I didn't know your generation even knew what D&D was. She's like, oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of people at my school do it. That's so cool. And it's, it's cool. tabletop. It's pen and paper. It's not on the screen. People watch it on people watch people play on screens, but you know, it's, it's a really communal activity. So I have a zoom game. I mean, over the last year, zoom games, you know, yeah. kept people connected. So yeah. And they have a Star yeah, Trek absolutely. role-playing game, didn't they? They do have a Star Trek role-playing game, which I've never played and I need to. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. I I've I bought a bunch of the stuff when it first came out and I've never played D&D or anything like that. So I bought all this stuff and it's it's still just sitting there. I yeah, I, I, I bought, need to find people to play with and learn how to play it. <laughs> I'm not a uh a dungeon master, but I do buy the books just cuz I just want to know. Although there's this thing cuz I only recently I started playing again over the last year. I forget what it's called, but like you're not allowed to have knowledge of anything outside of the game that you're in when you're playing. Hmm. There's like a phrase for it or something where if you try to pull in something that your character wouldn't know, but for instance, if I know it, cause I read the monster manual, my, but my character wouldn't have access to that information. You can't cross that line. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, fast. Well, you know all about keeping true to, characters because you've written characters so you, you can stay in that, mm-hmm. that lane right <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah so speaking of playing D and some other things this star trek legends game because you're so familiar with it do you do you play it because you already know it right uh yeah i so the thing is i played it so much during the uh, we have these things called in, in video game parlance called builds and a build is like a rough draft of a story uh, for a video game. It's, it's a, it's um, basically a, a, you can download it and play early versions of the game full of full, unfinished. So full of bugs and stuff, but you play them to see what's working, to get a sense of, of what you need to fix. Um, and that, that goes not only for the gameplay most importantly, but, but also for the, for the story. So I, I would play every build as it came out. So I've played, um, you know, a ton of the game. And then I um, downloaded it the day it came out on Apple Arcade to, because I, and played it because I want to know, okay, start fresh. Like, what is people who have never seen it, how are they feeling, you know? And I want to know, like, what what that feels like from as if I had never seen the game before. Yeah. So, um even though I know what's coming up, I still am figuring out new ways to have different characters interact. That's what's cool. Yeah. Is that you can pick and choose different characters and their and your strategy will change. So now I'm I'm not playing so much I'm not playing for the story because I know what the story is, but I'm playing for how do the different characters interact. And there are there are there are some interactions I hadn't even thought of. And I don't even know if the game developers thought of where, where if you have a certain character who can, you know, create a shield or boost morale or, or, or um, lower the attack, the enemy's defenses in some way. And another character can come on top of that and use that to their advantage. So that's the fun of it. That's the strategy of it. 
So the, in the beginning of the game, I mentioned that Worf was one of the early characters, but also in the past week, Michael Dorn, as we mentioned at the top of the show, has been tweeting out these little cryptic tweets of like, you know, I'm back to Star Trek or whatever. And we just then got it confirmed that Michael Dorn is in the studio or was in the studio recording the voice of Worf. Is this some new dialogue that he's been doing or is just he's just not revealing that he's in the game? I can't really talk about it. I hate to give that answer, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, but this is something I, new, I, obviously. It's not. It's not like he just said "worse in the game" that came out weeks ago. <laughs> it sounds like that. It's it, uh, no. It's yeah. Hopefully, it's new stuff. Yes. Um, well, because like yeah, you said, you keep it, working on the game. There's always new things coming. Yeah. Exactly. Come in. I repeat. Come in. This is the USS Artemis. Immediate assistance required. We have entered the Nexus. Nothing is as it seems. Federation officers, past and present, united with former enemies to stop the Dreamless. Spock is down. The hull has been breached. Reality is collapsing around us. If you are hearing this... It's him coming in as as Michael Dorn, um, and the the weight that brings, uh, putting his name behind the game, which is really cool, and um, you know having him out there spreading the word is awesome. So I can't really talk about the exact specifics of it because I I just I can't. Right. No, no. <laughs> but uh, it's super cool. It's awesome, and and the fact that he's like uh, seen the game and and you know likes what we're doing do you know if he's played it uh i don't know if he's played it (laughs) i hope he has it's not like he was sitting in the corner and they're like you guys like come on we're ready for it and he's like hold on hold on i'm still playing the game i i think i'm gonna imagine that that's exactly what happened (laughs) totally and for whatever reason even though you know it, this makes no sense in my mind. He's in full costume and wore makeup playing it on his. Let phone. me put it this yeah. way: I like to think he's played it because that means he liked it enough that he didn't um, call us up and say that we wrote Worf completely wrong. Well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, some of these characters, as you're playing the game, they make little sounds, little grunts and stuff. And I mean, of course, it's <laughs> not all the cast. That's not <laughs> right. That's not him. Don't get if you're like Worf would never grunt like that. Don't pin that up. <laughs> were Were you any of the grunts for any of the characters? Sadly, no. <laughs> I'm. A, I was never approached about uh, making grunt noises or anything else. I was. Yeah, you, I could have recorded it here at home, but no. Uh, maybe it's because i don't have soundproofing um <laughs> but yeah it's amazing i wish i was i had been there for those uh recording sessions it's pretty great yeah but we get them all we literally have to um go through uh for this was for another game recently we had a, a list of audio files of grunts that we had to go through <laughs> to be like would a romulan grunt like this and would a would a would a gorn grunt like this and literally the notes are like no that that's too high pitched for gorn so that's my job is to listen to grunts and make sure that they're brand appropriate it's pretty fun i want to i want to sit in on a grunt review day that sounds sure i'll try to get you on the next grunt review i'm not sure exactly when it'll be but there there will undoubtedly be uh 
And the other one was um, death sounds, like when somebody falls to the ground. It's pretty fun. Yeah, if it's like oof or uh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. One person's death sound is another person's long sigh. This is totally random, but do you guys remember back in the day, the like story books that came with a little vinyl record and it would read them. along? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had Raiders of the Last Ark where when the whip cracks, you turn the page. <laughs> That's awesome. Kids, um, this was before the, before the, uh, before the internet. <laughs> absolutely. There was a, there was a Star Trek, the motion picture one. And like every mm. time the communicator beeps, you turn the page. And I remember the scene where Spock mind melds with V'ger during his spacewalk. And it literally sounded like this. Spock reached out. Oh, he fell unconscious. I'm like, I've seen that movie. That, no. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I still, this burned in my memory. <laughs> I love it. Spock touched the data modules. Instantly, a flood of images overwhelmed his mind. Oh. He fell unconscious. Do you still have the record? No, I have no idea where that is at yeah, all. Yeah, I, I don't think I have my Raiders one. You know, some of those <laughs> I've found, not the ones you just mentioned, but other ones on YouTube where people will post those. Oh, oh yeah. God I bless YouTube. Look for that. YouTube is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. What? You just <laughs> never know. I fell down a um, Siskel and Ebert review movies rabbit hole where they, they have just old reviews of movies and yes. like Siskel hated Silence of the Lambs, but Ebert loved it. I just watch those over and over. It's I great. know it's addictive. You start watching one, then you watch another and you just keep going and going. Yeah. Going. The algorithm, the algorithm knows. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then <laughs> it's, it's insidious. That's one in the morning and you realize, Oh, I wanted to go to bed early. And then this happened. I see. I yeah. can relate too much to all this. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. So, okay. Speaking of voice, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I promise. I, yeah, and I, I don't even want to know. Oh no. Well, I do, but I don't. But now, yep. I, and I know the answer is probably no to these anyway, so I'm not even going to ask. But I'm just going to bring this up because it was in the news recently. We talk about Star Trek news here on, on the show. But John Delance okay. is going to be on Star Trek Picard. And so... That's what I heard. That's pretty exciting. He's going to be on the second that is season. Exciting. He's been on this cameo thing where you, like, celebrities can oh, is he? record yeah, messages. Where you... That's where he talks about it. And he's, like, been on... He says he's in episodes one and two of season two and he oh wow he was really harassing picard and really making picard angry <laughs> <laughs> so i i just know that john delancey probably did not come in and do grunt sounds for you guys but i just wanted to mention that in our <laughs> news <laughs> uh no in fact we the reason we went with the nexus in the game it was to not do q because whenever you get into like, how can we magically have characters interact or how can something just crazy happen? The default is to go to Q because he can basically do anything. We've had a comic that did that. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. And the um, timelines game too. Yeah. And yeah. I was just going to say exactly timelines sort of already grabbed him for uh, their game and it works really well. And if you haven't played timelines, definitely check it out. And he, he's, he's great in it. He's the, um, what we call the tutorial wizard, which is like the characters uh, that teach you how to play the game. And then he's, you know, continues on in it. But um, yeah, we had to stay away from Q. So it was like, what are the other things? And there are super powered characters that we, we touched on. Um, 
you know, was, would it be Gary Mitchell who we've used in the comics? Uh, could the traveler come back and have something to do with it? But then the Nexus was kind of sitting there as, as like, Ooh, not only is it kind of magical and you can do crazy stuff, but it hasn't really been explained and it hasn't really been exploited. So uh, that just felt like a natural. That really got me interested. I'll be honest with you. I started mm-hmm. playing cool. the game. And, oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's good. To and when hear. it was yeah. the Nexus, I was like, Oh, Oh, that's cool. That, that makes yeah, sense. Cool. Yeah. Cause we were wondering, we were like, are people going to remember the Nexus? Like real Star Trek fans we hoped would, but would they even be like, Oh, that's cool. Or would they be like, Oh, the Nexus, who cares about the Nexus? Oh, I'm sure you know? there's those too. That <laughs> that. Yeah. Of course. First rule of Star Trek fandom. There will be dissenters to every, there's some great things somebody posts on Twitter where somebody like wrote in a letter about the next generation and how it wasn't Star Trek. This is like, after Oh the yeah. Next generation. Yeah. And how this is not Star Trek. This is not Star Trek needs to be on a t-shirt, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we get it now it's like lower decks and discovery and you know this is not star trek this is not star well, trek. we just recently <laughs> reviewed a card we're like this is not yeah we just recently reviewed a next generation novel from the early days survivors oh yeah, yeah. which one uh survivors uh by gene laura right Dan? Yeah, yeah number four number of the numbered novels and in the foreword wow. the author is basically apologizing like hey i know you know it's not Star Trek, but it is Star Trek. And I'll go back to writing the old stuff, but the, the next generation is still valid too. <laughs> this was a forward. Yeah. Book? Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible that they let him put it in there. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was so great. It was basically like to all the fans who are worried that I'm betraying them. Like, yeah, just the just, Gene just Roddenberry's vision is still in this. I swear. That's <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you, uh, when you when you last this long in pop culture, it's like James Bond. Every new James Bond that he's that that's a terrible choice. That's not James <laughs> Bond. Then five years later, they're like, you can't change from this guy. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about this game too is though you might get the newer Star Trek fans who, like you were kind of worried, might not even know about the Nexus. In that case, they're looking at this game, going, "The Nexus, what a cool thing they've come up with for this game." I like that. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. You take yeah, credit. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, I think for fans that have have been drawn in, and I met them at conventions who are like, "Discovery was the first time I saw I, I, oh, yeah. I watched Star Trek." Like they kind of, people know about Star Trek. It's sort of so pervasive in pop culture. Everybody knows Spock, even if you've never seen an episode of the show, but um, Discovery brought people in and and uh, I think um, Strange New Worlds is going to do great. But the show I'm really excited about is Star Trek Prodigy, which is the yeah. animated show that is quote unquote for kids, but it's really for everybody. And it's just going to be beautiful and so imaginative and expansive. I, I think that is going to bring in like a generation of, of Star Trek fans. Can't wait for that. I'm really excited about that. I think it's the most different thing that, you know, I've seen Star Trek do in a long time and and they've done some different things lately, but this I think is going to really push it. And I, I love that. I think that's, did terrific. you see the Janeway? Uh, yeah. How she looks in the, in the show. Yeah. yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah is, in fact, Kate Mulgrew, I think tweeted that uh, image and was, so excited to be back voicing her. It's going to be so cool. And that's kind of because it's all new characters and and to have Janeway kind of grounding it and uh, letting fans know, yeah, yeah. No, this is still Star Trek. If we can still, only get her to voice Janeway in Legends, that would be cool too. That would be cool. You know, we don't, 
I would love to be able to get um, some voice acting in there. Um, it's not up to me, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun to do. There's a lot of tricky, like uh, contractual things yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So. But no, that's cool about Prodigy, what you're saying, because Dana and I have talked to several people on the show and off the show that are in the know or somewhat in the know of some things about Prodigy, and we don't know anything, by the way. No one's told us anything except for, this is going to be really good, trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think everybody everybody's really excited for people to see it, and um, I haven't seen much, and, and I'm I'm dying to it's one of those things that'd be, uh, you know, I, I just kind of want to go in as fresh as I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now you used to work for Alex Kurtzman, you mentioned earlier. So you guys still in touch? Yep. Yep. He's super busy. Um, <laughs> I bet. But yeah. It was really cool to come back together. Cause I had left the company in 2011 to write comics full time. And then the, their partnership ended and Alex was, off doing other projects away from Star Trek. And when he came back to Star Trek, he called me and was like, let's talk about how this can be built out. And um, yeah, it was great. It was, it was really cool. So I haven't talked to him for a little while cause he's just been super busy on the uh, show Clarice, the, the uh, based on the silence of the lands right. that he right. wrote and produced. And now he's working on the man who fell to earth, um, which he's filming in London. Um so, but he still is, you know, overseeing everyone uh, working on Star Trek. And we definitely make sure <clears throat> in the comics and the games that we are working uh, in simpatico with whatever the shows are doing. Definitely. Yeah. And it's been a, been a real challenge over the last year with the productions and, and uh, the pandemic and everything. But so far, so good. Yeah, because you co-wrote with Kirsten Beyer the Picard Countdown comic. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Kirsten's amazing and um, works on worked on works on Discovery, but then was also one of the the co-creators of uh, the Picard show and a producer on that. So to have that, it was kind of mirrored the what happened on the first Countdown miniseries in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, where. I had Alex and Bob like in the room next door. So the comic was completely, it was as close as you could get to the makers of the thing. And here's Kirsten who's writing and producing on the show. We were able to, to get, you know, a, approval for what we were doing in the comic really easily. So I think that's been a real feather in, in the, in the, in the franchise's cap is that we've been able to make sure that the ancillary stuff um, really ties in and fans know that, that the efforts there to, to not just pawning it off on someone to go make a knockoff product or something. And this is where John Van Sitters, who oversees all of that stuff. is so, so great. Um, and Alex in particular has been so open, you know, one of the first things Alex said when he started, when, when he came back to Star Trek um, was that he wanted, he loves the ancillary material um, as did Brian Fuller, who uh, created discovery with Alex. They don't look down on comics and games they see comics and games as a vital part of the ecosystem that builds out a franchise and keeps it going. So, Oh, you're going to uh, make me cry. Cool. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, by extension, who are celebrating uh, all of the ancillary material. It's great. Absolutely. I mean, it, it keeps the franchise growing and it's why the franchise can come back from its fallow periods in a big way 
whether it's mm-hmm. the JJ movies or now the new shows coming back. And I just think Star Trek is going to keep going on and on. Um, it's such a rich idea for, 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 a, for a show, for anything. And at this point, you've got generations teaching new generations about it. The funny thing to me is that you've seen Star Wars embrace Star Trek's model of episodic television. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Growing up, even even into the 2000s, after the Star Wars prequel trilogy, yeah, you had started to have some animation, but you wouldn't have imagined it was always just going to be movies, right? That are that are done, and then there'll be nine of them, and you know that'll be it. And now, the idea that there's Star Wars shows and new shows being announced, it's just it's funny how TV has come full circle to be. Um, really the driver now for pop culture Mm -hmm. obviously having a pandemic where no one could go to the theater didn't help but even so i was thinking last night just about how streaming has has changed and you have you don't even have channels anymore you have apps on your television for whatever studio you want to open like paramount plus go get paramount plus this is all (laughs) an elaborate way to promote paramount plus and also complement that with pluto tv also a viacom cbs property Pluto go, is Pluto yeah. Viacom CBS. Yes, it is. I should know that. <laughs> yes. I'm ashamed. Thank you for letting me know. I, I've been to their offices after the buyout a couple of years ago, and all everybody's screensaver said Viacom CBS on it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know. Yeah, it's funny because last week's episode we talked a little bit about the kind of blurring between film and television, and the comments that Alex Kurtzman made to that effect. And yeah, it's it's amazing how. You know, it's not even just that they're kind of approaching parody, but like you say, television is really leading the way with a lot of this new media and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So then also speaking about Countdown and, you know, tying things in, you wrote the original Countdown comic back in 2009 based on the first movie that came out from Bad Robot. And there were people who were like, well, this is canon because you worked with the creators of the movie, but now it's contradicted by Picard. How should we handle this, Mike? What are we supposed to do? <laughs> we can't trust anything. <laughs> it's all made up. <laughs> I, have a, I have a writer friend who loves to say whenever, if we're working on something and, and uh, things aren't working or something, he's like, they're not real people. like they can do they can do whatever you want them to do they're not real people they're made up uh the great contradicting um conversation yeah it's uh you don't want it to ever happen but it will inevitably happen and uh the good thing is in star trek we can just say that it has suddenly become an alternate timeline which is very handy but also i think okay in your own personal head canon um, to say that these things split off. That's that's how I do it in my own little head canon. Um, but just realistically, I mean, you will get, the shows take priority. Um, and what is on film, you know, the, sort of the hard rule is that the ultimate canon, the hardest canon is what is on film and TV. I should say just, yeah, what's on screen. Right. What on screen is the hardest canon. But it's important to have the softer canon around that and building out things that the, that the show doesn't have the time or the bandwidth to do. And we try to pick things that we hope won't, like no one could have imagined that you would revisit um, 
I guess people could imagine it, but no one thought Patrick Stewart was going to come back to play Picard and we'd see him 30 years later. Right. So mm-hmm. we felt like, okay, in the moment, the needs for our story that we're telling here, we want to show this future of TNG. That's how quickly things have changed too, because this is only 2008, 2009. Now, all kinds of things are getting made into TV, to TV shows through stream because of streaming. That streaming wasn't really a thing at that, like even 11, 12 years ago. And especially the idea that big film actors um, or big film franchises, I, I guess it doesn't really, that doesn't really apply to Trek because Trek was TV, but just, um, yeah, the idea that there would be another show for the next generation just seemed so far off. So yes, long way of saying you you always try and we're in a better position because we're we're so we have a, such a tight communication uh within the Star Trek franchise. You're never going to be able to avoid it. So you just hope that um when a show does contradict something that's that's happened before you know, I guess the biggest example is like Star Wars had to had to write off uh the whole universe, right? Yeah. They just had mm-hmm. the expanded universe that they had to completely like segment off. We would like to avoid that. And I think basically all I can say is at the time that we're making them, we try to make them as connected and um, meaningful as we can in the moment. Yeah. And that's just true. I mean, for the moment it does work. It may be contradicted later, but it's not contradicting yeah. anything now when it comes exactly. out. Exactly. It's not contradicting anything now. And for especially with the ancillary stuff that's connected to a movie or a TV show, if it's enhancing your enjoyment of the of the piece of the of the show at the time, that's what matters. Um if we're like in the card book, if we're filling out corners of his story that we weren't going to see on screen. That's what matters as opposed to later. If something, there's something that might get contradicted actually from Picard countdown and I'll, well, I'll see if it does and I can come back and we can discuss it. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. I, I kind of want to go back now and flip it's very small. See if I can figure it was it never out. Picard the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a dream. Well, it's like mm. the first uh, discovery novel has kind of been contradicted since the second season hack because the Spock and Burnham relationship was a little different. Well, right. At the time you don't know there's no one has any thought that Spock's going to show up in discovery season two. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, TV happens so quickly and they're making, you know, they're, they're coming up with ideas and saying yes and no. And things change even in, in television, things change even over the course of a season being written, you know, so yeah, you just try to keep the train as much on the tracks as you can. Yeah. And uh hopefully I think most fans understand the nature of the business and how it works. And and uh, you know, speaking as a fan myself, it doesn't, you know, what matters to Bruce, like you're saying, it's like what matters is at the time um you're enjoying it as you know, so so and even past that, um for other things and if you're revisiting older ancillary material you can still enjoy them in their own for their own merit and again do what i do in your head canon alternate timeline spins off at that point everything's the same up until then exactly or i have an idea i'm going to help you out here mike with your countdown comic to make it feel like it's still canon so mm-hmm. in star trek legends have captain data show up in the 
in the nexus because then it would be referred to as well or inferred to it it means that countdown happened in the nexus that's where it happened i like this idea so that's cool i'm gonna have to steal this idea i'm not stealing <laughs> it if i tell you i'm going to steal anything it. <laughs> i stay say on the show can be stolen I, and I, can i give a can i give another promo for our fleet command mobile yeah game? yeah oh for sure yes yeah. which uh we managed to get a Borgified Tribble in the game. <laughs> I love a Borg assimilated Tribble. What does that sound like? Um, I don't know if we gave it a sound. It would basically you would put the Tribbles down through like a, a auto tune or something, size or something. You'd <laughs> yeah. come out with like metallic kind of. <laughs> that was the high point of my career is being able to work on a uh, like again. We would have session. We would have like art review. Or it would be like. Here's five Borg Tribbles. Which one? We need to put the different ones out there, actually, have fans vote on them. But because you don't want to be too Borg with the Tribble, you don't want to cover the Tribbleness right. with too much tech. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's a very fine balance between fuzziness and <laughs> assimilation. Do, do this is a fur change white when they are Borgified? No, but that's a, that's a really good, um, that's a really good idea. In fact, we had a we had a story in the that game. There's something where like <laughs> we were arguing whether would a tribble who reprodu- a Borg tribble when he reproduces, do they reproduce into a Borg tribble? In other words, does the Borg tech carry over to it when the, a tribble reproduces, or is it its inherent tribbleness? You have to assimilate each new tribble. These are the kind of philosophical questions that Gene Roddenberry intended. <laughs> the inherent tribbleness carry over. I, I just love that inherent tribbleness has entered the yeah. lexicon now through this podcast. Oh my gosh. I love this idea of Borg tribbles <laughs> birthing other Borg tribbles and it's going so fast that it's so terrifying and they're taking over the Klingon homeworld. Well, that's actually that. I think in the story, gosh, I got to remember. I think that's how the the Borg were were taken out that time because they couldn't assimilate the Tribbles fast enough. <laughs> in other words, it takes time to assimilate a Tribble, right? But they're just like, bum, 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 bum. and yeah, <laughs> that's terrific. Borg are that's why the Klingon. That's why the Klingons. They're like the most hated enemy of the Klingons is because they can't right. They, they just overwhelm you. So with uh, Fleet Command and with Legends, these are all mobile games. How can people get these? Uh, they can get them on their phone or tablet through the Apple uh, Store or the Google Play Store or any other stores that are out there. Um, they are both free. They're um, Actually, I shouldn't say that. Um, Apple Arcade for for Legends you have to sign up with Apple Arcade which for a few bucks a month you get access to just tons and tons of games and you don't actually but once you're in the Legends game you don't have to pay for stuff um so it's a, that's that's that model and then Fleet Command is more of what they call uh it's free to play but then you have options to spend money to get new stuff you don't have to spend money to play but um there's some cool stuff that you unlock uh, by playing, but it's still better value than um, throwing down 60 bucks for a console game. <laughs> you can certainly spend 60 bucks and more if you want, but no. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I got into Apple Arcade to get this game, and I think I'm on a free trial of Arcade yeah. before the. But it's a low. So cost. my goal is to is to make the game good enough that you don't do what I always do with free trials, where you just sneak on and grab the game and and then that end your trial. That's what I was going to do but i'm hooked <laughs> now at least you're being honest about it <laughs> i know and now i'm gonna do it at least but no but then but then um when there's new content you'll come back exactly well no i'm yeah, gonna stick around absolutely. for at least a little while now because i i gotta get okay. by these wrong how far are you in the game i just got i'm still trying to uh i don't know are what you like I, what episode are you like two or three or i think it's two or three i'm still trying to get kirk Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, well Sela just was fighting her recently. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's episode two. Yeah. I think it's two. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still early in the game. It takes me a while, though, you know? No worries. But I'm getting there. Speaking of games, Enjoy. did you get involved in that campaign to get LeVar Burton to host Jeopardy? Because he got it. He's going to host Jeopardy. I, I think I might have <laughs> tweeted or retweeted. I can't wait. <laughs> Oh, it's gotta happen it's gotta happen yeah plus i like that i think he might you see the last in the in the scheduled ones i feel like that's a good sign i think he's like if he's like the last of the special hosts that feels like a transition into I think he's maybe second to the host. last or something but yeah it's the yeah, end it of looks July. like uh yeah david faber is scheduled after him so who's david faber I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody cares. There wasn't a campaign for him, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. David Faber, if you're listening, I hope you do. A David great job. Faber, if you're listening, let us know. We'd love to have you on the show so we get to know who yeah. you are. Oh, he's a journalist. So, uh, an American journalist, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love journalists. Um. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that works out, and uh, Lavar gets the gig full time. Yeah. July 26th through July 30th. Dan, do you get the American version of Jeopardy in, in Canada? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just the, just the one version because Alex Trebek was Canadian, but right. I think that was a American show. Yeah. Too, was it, so. was there ever Canadian Jeopardy? Not that I'm aware of. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, there could have been, I've, I've never really followed Jeopardy, but uh, I will be, definitely watching for lavar's episodes i'm really excited about that i thought aaron Rodgers did a good job and i think they should have an aaron Rodgers week every year because i just think it's hilarious and amazing that the mvp quarterback is <laughs> like it's a hard job like you have to be oh, able yeah. to yeah like pronounce all these things and i thought he did a good job and i hate him because i'm a seahawks fan <laughs> but yeah Credit where credit is due. I was amazed because I was at a taping of Jeopardy years ago. Uh, oh, cool. Probably 20 years ago. I mean, it was a while ago. Actually, I was even at a taping of Wheel of Fortune in 83. <laughs> and Pat, wow. Pat oh, Sajak wow. and Vanna White were like a year into it. They had just started. But yeah. Oh, my God. I saw, so I was at a taping of Jeopardy and... I was amazed because I thought, you know, they probably edit it because Alex probably, you know, messes up every once in a while and they have to redo it. And I think that we were there for maybe three episodes of taping. Never once messed up. Never wow. messed up. It was so, I was like so impressed how. That's so cool. That. You got to see. Yeah. The, yeah. I was actually the, invited as a VIP through some company. I got to go upstage right. afterwards and hang out with him. And I was looking at his podium wow. to see if he had cheating cards or something. <laughs> like, how do what you is, what is on the podium? Is it a screen? 
Well, at that time, he actually had little cards. I think now it might be a screen, but back then, but this was a show on the road. So I'm in Atlanta and they were doing it in oh. Atlanta, but he did okay. have little cards like in little like slots or something on there. Cool. So yeah, it's gonna be awkward when Lavar hosts though, and every episode is just Star Trek questions. That's gonna be weird for the next. <laughs> that might turn some people off. This stunningly handsome actor played a visually impaired. <laughs> exactly. That's right. This, they're all about Jordy. <laughs> he just wears his visor when he hosts. That's how he reads the question. He doesn't have to look at the screen. They're all on the visor. <laughs> yep, I'm there. <laughs> All right. So now when you're when you're not there, where can people find you online? And do you have anything new that you want to talk about that you're working on? I'm really terrible. Um, I'm not really a social media guy because I was born when the dinosaurs walked the earth. Uh, I'm on <laughs> Twitter at Mike Comics, which is M-I-K-E-C-O-M-I-X. But I really need to start posting again. Um, and we are going to be working on new Star Trek comics. I'm working on a Blade Runner comic right now. If people want to try a different franchise with a slightly different philosophical bent to it. Um, But yeah, you can find me there. So uh, please do. And um, I hope you try legends and you like it. Yeah. I'm happy when you said your work, you know, there's some new star Trek comics. That's that, that made me happy. Just that little. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're not giving up on those. And there's some other cool stuff in the pipeline that I would love to talk to you guys about when it becomes, when I can. Nice. Well, you definitely are welcome back anytime to talk about those. You just let us know and you're here. Absolutely. For sure. Thanks guys. And also don't don't you have a podcast? Do I have a podcast? I would love to have a podcast. You should have a podcast. I want to have a podcast just talking to, um, Oh, like comics people about like how they started and what they like and how they work and oh that'd be great yeah. everybody has a podcast you guys have a po- you guys have a that, that's podcast. why i thought you might have one because everyone has one now so i would yeah i i'm behind the times i should get a podcast so, quick quick fun story and this is star wars related i was i was that's okay <laughs> i was moderating a panel at dragon con in atlanta and it was about uh star wars rebels at the time and Henry Gilroy at Lucasfilm, who wrote for Rebels and Clone Wars, was going to be on the panel with me and some other podcasters. Well, I'm on one end of the table, and he's at the opposite end of the table. So as I go around and have everybody introduce themselves, they all introduce themselves as like, well, I have a Star Wars podcast called Da Da. I have a Star Wars podcast. And it gets to Henry, and he's like, well, I work on Rebels and Clone Wars for Lucasfilm. And I said, that's it? You don't have a podcast? What are you doing on stage? <laughs> that's that's not really a Star Wars job. Right. Come on. You just write for the shows? Oh, uh, how analog. How old school. Yeah, how analog. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Maybe one. I need to get a sweet uh microphone set up. Like you guys. Yeah. We look professional. I've got my I've got my I'm, I don't even have earbuds in. I have actual cord connected to my laptop earbuds. <laughs> We're old school too. While I'm sitting to... on the, uh, oh yeah, you've got, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen anybody uh, on the enterprise wearing earbuds. That's pretty cool. Yeah, first time. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I just want to thank you for joining us and uh, we're going to tell everybody where they can follow us. Dan, where can we follow you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. Uh, Instagram, Kurtrats47. And of course, as always, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. My favorite internet hangout. That's right. That's a great place to be. I'm in there too. And also, I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. And also been on a few episodes recently as a guest on Literary Treks, of course, talking about novels like we do here on this show. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. And always remember to stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.